Welcome to Ronnie Phillips Podcast. This message is made possible by the partners of Abba's House Media. Help us continue to share this message around the world about how to live free and fully alive. Visit abbashouse.com slash partner to learn more. And before you leave, be sure and subscribe to Pastor Ronnie's YouTube channel. Now, here's Pastor Ronnie Phillips. We've been in a series, The Unveiled Calling, The Seven Churches of Revelation, and today we're going to talk about the church at Sardis there in Asia Minor. If you would turn with me to Revelation chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, we're going to go to verse 6. We might go a little bit past that. We'll just see what God has for us to do. Next week, Pastor Ron will be preaching on the key of David, the church at Philadelphia on the open door. It's going to be awesome. But God has a word for us today. Amen. I feel like preaching this morning. I'll be honest with you. I got some preach on me this morning. Once we get off the runway, we're going to preach a little bit. Amen. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Seven stars represent the seven churches that we've been preaching to you about. And this is what Jesus says to this particular church. And may he never say this. To Abba's house. I know your works that you have a name that you are alive, but yet you are dead. Carrie Newhoff wrote an article some time ago, Seven Subtle Signs That Your Church Is Dying. Number one, the passion of key leaders is waning. Innovation is rare. Management is beginning to replace leadership. Maintenance is beginning to trump mission. Your church has become fixated on being your church, not the mission of Jesus Christ. And number six, you criticize younger upstart leaders. People ask me, why am I having Tavner Smith at my partner's conference? Because he's reaching millennials better than anybody else in the city and I want that anointing here. I'm not a hater. Number seven, your relationship with God has gone Flat. I know your works that you have a name that you are alive, but yet you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I've not found your works perfect, brought to completion, mature before God. You see, we need to strengthen what remains and quit trying to raise the dead. You see, sometimes we're trying to raise the dead or go after things that are long gone and dead when God's called us to minister to what we've got and strengthen that which remains. And then we can go get the work of the gospel done. Somebody say amen this morning. We've got to strengthen what remains. And that's where I am in this season of my life. That's where my focus is. And that is to strengthen that which remains, that are ready to die for. I've not found your works perfect before God. Remember... Therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Remember, hold fast and repent. Remember those three things. Therefore, if you will not watch, eagerly await, expect, be cautious. If you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. You have a few 
that have not sold out to the things of the world. You have a few that are still believing. You have a few that are still walking by faith. You have a few that are still evangelizing. You have a few that are still reading their word. You have a few that are still believing God's best for their life. You have a few that are still walking in the Holy Ghost. You got a few that still believe. You got a few, but the Bible says you only need a few. You only need two or three to agree with you to get the work of God done in this day and in this hour. You have a few names who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white. White represents purity, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I'm thankful that God is not going to blot out my name. Amen. When we get to that judgment seat of Christ and to that Bema seat, and that angel's going to say, Ronnie Phillips Jr., he had a few rough years early on in his life, but he's in the Lamb's book of life. He served me. I believe there'll be a crown waiting on me. Amen. A crown mentioned over there in Ephesians and in Peter. I believe righteousness will be my crown and I believe I'll get the preacher's crown. But you know, there's crowns available for you today if you're faithful. There's crowns for ushers and there's crowns for worshipers and there's crowns for the fivefold ministry, the apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, and evangelist. There's crowns for those who are faithful to the Lord. There are crowns for those who remain faithful, who remain pure and passionate. And that's my challenge to you this morning, no matter where you are in your Christian journey, to remain pure and passionate. See, some churches have passion but no purity. Some churches have purity with no passion. You've got to have them both. It is a Holy Spirit, not just a spirit. You've got to have them both. The city of Sardis was a city divided in two sections. Half of the city was up on the mount overlooking a cliff near the Acropolis. And it was a hidden city, hidden behind a fortress. And, and, and they, were, they were safe and they were wealthy. The rest of the city was down in the valley and they would find gold there. It was known for its wealth. My wife works for an insurance company and she has a number of, of large accounts, Delta Airlines. And she also has the uh, ne Sierra Nevada Corporation, SNC, and they build government drones. So she was in Reno this past week working. Yes, my wife works. We don't have a jet. She has a real job, okay? And she's there, and they build government drones, and she was not allowed to take her cell phone uh, out of her hotel room and go over there because of uh, what they do in this particular building. But she said it, it's, it's kind of on a mountain there, and it, the, the entrance is small, but there's a whole uh, city in there where they build these things under intense security. And when I think of Sardis, I think that it was like that. It was hidden behind uh, this particular cliff. And it was very hard for, for enemies to attack this particular city. And it had wealth. How would you like to live in a place where gold just floated by where you were walking? I one day will be at a place where the streets are paved with gold. Amen? Where there are crowns for the faithful. On two different occasions, this particular city was attacked. It was attacked first by King Cyrus in 546 B.C. 
And here's how that happened. The soldier that was on watch dropped his helmet off the, the cliff and walked down to get it. And then the army came in and attacked and seized the city. So basically, one of its own sold them out. Two weeks ago, we talked about the spirit of Jezebel, a cancer that can happen within your church from within. And on another occasion, 200 B.C., the same type of thing, Antiochus the Great. Both times, this particular city of wealth and prestige was betrayed by one of its own. You see, the enemy will always try to kill what he can't control, and he'll always try to attack the church in the area of unity. The most attacks that we've received in my 37 years here on this church are from people who were once within who left bitter and have made a decision to be haters the rest of their lives towards this place. I, I don't understand how with a thousand churches in this city, more than a thousand, some people have nothing better to do than talk about this place. I just believe that it's because it's good. It's because God's here. It's because they have a bitter spirit and they can't stand to see God move and move in power. And so they've decided to settle for death instead of a place that's alive. See, you can go to another church with works. You can go to a busy church with programs and gimmicks to get people here to stay. You can, there are plenty of those churches. There are plenty of denominationalized churches that are busy. That's what it says about Sardis. Listen, you have a name that you're alive. You, you've got a reputation for preaching and praying and programs and schools and this and that. Oh, but Jesus said you're dead. I'd rather be in a room with 30 people alive than 3,000 dead. I want to be around somebody that believes God can heal, somebody that believes God can do something, somebody that's got some faith, somebody that's got an open heart, an open Bible, an open mind, and that wants to love some sinners. All oh, religion's done more harm than it has good. We need a church that's alive, and I'm thankful Abba's house is the church that's alive. I'd rather go, go past a religious line with the Holy Spirit than be dead and never give him an opportunity to move. Some people say, well, I wouldn't go over there. They had somebody speak in tongues in the 90s and people used to fall down. Well, you either fall down sometimes or God will knock you down. When I was running from the Lord, he just knocked me down at my house with guilt and shame. But his spirit picked me back up. Don't ever hate on somebody because they got more God than you. Don't ever hate on somebody because they're trying to learn more about the things of God than you. Listen, when you get to heaven, you're going to be surprised. They're going to be worshiping 24 hours a day. There'll be no complaint department. There'll be no more contemporary sermons on relevance. There'll be no more blogs. There'll be no more opinions. There'll be no more trying to get to the man who died for us. He'll be right there. And those that truly loved him that were alive on this earth, will be in covenant and communion with him forevermore. 
I don't know about you, but I don't want Jesus to come in on me like a thief in the night. That's what it says. Therefore, if you will not watch, if you will not believe, if you will not eagerly expect me, if you'll not serve me, if you'll not be obedient, I will come upon you as a thief. And you will know what, you will not know what hour I will come upon you. See, I hope I live forever. I hope you live forever, but I don't know. Every, every week I hear of someone dying that I went to school with or, or, or someone struggling in this church or in another church. Last week I lost Stump Martin, one of my heroes in town, done more for kids than just about anybody. 65. Love Jesus. You don't know how long you've got. Some of you keep putting God off. Well, I'll, I'll get more serious about church when I'm 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, uh, 10 more years. Let me get my business started and let me get this going. Let me tell you, you've got to serve God now. You don't know what hour he's coming. I don't know what hour he's coming. We've got to get serious about God right now. Sometimes the churches with the greatest reputations end up dying. Most of the churches from the 1980s that were alive and well are dead if they weren't relaunched in some special kind of way. You look at the Crystal Cathedral, you look down at Highland Park Baptist, our legendary church in our city. It's been relaunched, it died. It was the largest church in the region for 20, 30 years and they let it die. Let me tell you, churches die all the time. Some survive, some thrive. But I want to be a church that grows at a Pentecostal rapid pace, a book of Acts pace, where people come to know Jesus and people believe God and the church does life together. Well, it's not my job to entertain you. It's my job to preach the truth and your job is to love one another and to love sinners. Where sinners want to come. The church at Sardis lost its purity and they lost its passion. How can you tell if a church is dying? Because as it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, they have a form of godliness with no power thereof. I've heard some great preaching with no power. There's some great preachers all over the world, but they ain't got no power. They don't have no Holy Ghost. They don't believe God can do anything. They're nothing more than a scholar reading notes. I'm telling you, I've got all of those kinds of accolades, but I want God to move, man. I don't need to impress you with flattery of speech or anything else. Ah, you can stutter like Moses and God can use you. You can, you can have a past that God can use. You can come from a poor family off the street. God can use you. Having a form of godliness without no power thereof. I need more than points and I love to preach with points. I need more than a poem and I love poems. I need more than the same old Baptist one, two, three, four every week. I need somebody that believes when I'm dying, I can live. Somebody that believes my child can be saved. Somebody that believes that a drug addict can be set free, that a homeless person can find a house. Oh, I'm here to tell you on Pentecost Sunday, I need somebody to believe that God still moves and moves in power from on high. Oh, I didn't come to impress you this morning. I came to lift up the name that is above every name. His name is Jesus. Oh, I don't want this church to die. I want it to live because of its passion and because of its purity. A church that's dying has activities 
Instead of authenticity with Jesus, rituals over relationship, rules over relationship, dead in worship, no key of David that Pastor Ron will preach about next week, no power in worship, no, no purity in worship, nobody crying and, and, and no stains on the carpet of snot and tears from people getting right with God. No passion for sinners, no unity. Truth is lost in teaching. It's preached, but it's not lived. Jesus would say, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he do, who does the will of my Father in heaven. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Titus chapter 1, verse 16, it says, They profess to know God, but in works they deny him being abominable and disobedient, disqualified for every good work. So how do we remain pure and passionate? Number one, we've got to follow the leader. Like all the letters to the seven churches, this one begins no different. It falls on the leadership. If the leadership's not passionate about the things of God, how can we expect you to be? There's little hope for a dead church if the pastor has no vision no power, and is just using the body of Christ for personal gain. This is not profession without power. You got to do this thing with power if you're going to make it. God is able to work all of this out, but it starts at the top, friend. Let me say this. I believe the pastor is to lead the church. I believe it with all my heart. God didn't ordain deacons to run the church. God didn't ordain councils to run the church. God didn't ordain elders to run the church. God called pastors and he called businessmen and women to support and love that pastor until he proves himself dishonorable or disloyal and can't lead any longer. God gives the pastor a vision. The reason the church is dead and divided all over the world is because people have tried to walk in a mantle that they were never given, in authority they were never given. I'm telling you, you ought to support your pastor this morning. Whether it's me or if you're listening by podcast or watching, you ought to support your pastor. Quit thinking you're more spiritual or you know more. If you did, you'd be there. And quit making excuses for why you're there, why you're not there and somebody else is and support the man of God that God's put in authority over your life. I believe Jesus uses people to supernaturally bring things back to life. I believe God's using you to bring things back to life. Jesus is the first place we look. The head, the comforter, the truth, our present help in a time of need, our hero within. Jesus is where we need to look when we need a miracle, when we need Pentecost, when we need power. We must look to Jesus. You see, we're looking to strategies and blogs, trying to copy what everybody else is doing. We need to look at Jesus, man, and ask Jesus who he wants us to be, what he's called us to do. The Holy Spirit's available if we'll open the doors to him. If you get on down in the scriptures, he gives Philadelphia a key and he gives them open doors next week that no man can shut. I tell you, I'd rather Jesus give me a key and an open door than tell me I was dead. We've got to remain pure 
and passionate about the things of God. The seven stars of the churches, the seven spirits, I believe, tells us about the characteristics of the Holy Spirit in our life. Now, in the book of Enoch, it mentions seven angels, and we don't have time to go there today. It wasn't in the completed canon, but it could have been angels, but I believe it's a description of the Holy Spirit in Isaiah 11. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and fear of the Lord. You have the Lord, authority, wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and fear. That's what God's trying to tell you. You need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you this. If I didn't have the Holy Ghost, it'd be my last Sunday preaching. It'd be my last day being a pastor. How anyone can do this work without the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit is beyond me. It's not worth it. No matter how much money you've got, it's not worth it without the Holy Ghost. It's not worth it. So number one, you've got to follow the leader. Number two, you've got to forget yesterday's performance. Listen, I love precious memories. That old hymn. How they linger. How they ever flood my soul. You can put me on a fishing boat. I can listen to that song. I can cry. But I'm telling you, I need something from God now. I'm tired of hearing about what used to be. Here and everywhere else. If what used to be was so good, it'd still be going on. We need God to move now. Because God never changes, never stops. God's trying to move now. He's trying to do something now. We've got to get out of our own way. It says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I've not found your works perfect before God. Rouse and keep awake. It is an imperative. It's command, that word watch. Strengthen the works that still have life in them. Those of you that have remained faithful to this house, I honor you with every fiber in my being. You will see a harvest for your faithfulness. You will see a blessing for your faithfulness. I know you probably haven't agreed with everything. Guess what? I haven't either. But I'm telling you, I believe your fruit that remains and we're going to strengthen what remains and we're going to win this city for Jesus Christ. Come hell or high water, we're going to get it done. What does it profit a man if he says he has faith but doesn't have works? What does it profit a man, it says in James? So not only do you have to follow the leader, you, you can't be dwelling on what used to be. So many churches and pastor friends of mine won't talk about what it used to be. And the very people that talk about what it used to be are the ones that aren't willing to change to go into the future. The ones bragging on how it used to be are the stubborn ones that won't let God do anything now. Get over yourself and get on with your bad self. So we can have a move of God. Number three, do something. Man, I, my favorite thing in the world is college football. It's my favorite thing to do. I can't wait till it's here. We got a new coach at Florida State. 
his hashtag is do something, man. Do something. They better do something. They better do better than last year. I'm jumping ship. No. But I'm challenging you as a church to do something. Do something. It's not enough just to sit here. That won't do. Jesus is getting ready to come back. Look what God's doing all over the world. Jesus is getting ready to come back. Sitting around hoping you get a good sermon and a few good songs and get to old Charlie's by noon. That's not going to be enough anymore. You got to do something. It says remember. That's not nostalgia. That's not what that word means in the Greek. Therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. So you got to get back to your roots. This church, we need to get back to our roots. The Bible, prayer, power, Pentecost, evangelism, loving people, ministering to people, humility, reaching everybody. The greatest thing about this church when I was a child, man, is I always felt like everybody was welcome. And I don't ever want that to change. And everybody ought to be welcome here. I mean everybody. I mean everybody. We can argue theology later, but they're welcome to come to church here, whoever they are. Because that is the way God will shake them and touch them and change them and fill them and use them. I don't need another lecture about how Spiritual you are if you ain't led nobody to Jesus this week. I'm sick of people telling me about theology and ministry and Holy Ghost that can't tell anybody about Jesus. They aren't patient enough to disciple a sinner. Listen, I live this stuff. You can believe me or not believe me. I disciple people every week. Rough as a cob. Knock you out if you mess with me. I'm telling you, we got to get back to loving people, man. And teaching them the things of the Holy Spirit. We got to do something. We got to get back to our roots, our original passion. We've got to arouse that spirit that's dead inside of us that we might live. And for those of you who say, you know, I haven't been doing what God's called me to do, you need to repent of the sin of lethargy. Repent. It says, remember, hold fast, and repent. It's easy. Remember what stirred you when you came to the Lord. Repent if you haven't been doing what God's called you to do this Pentecost Sunday and hold on to the promises of God that have, you, that have been clothed over your life since the day you were born. Hold on to those promises. Don't give up on the things of God. Ask Christ to fall on you afresh. And anew. Jesus says, listen, if you ignore me, I'll strip you of everything that is precious to you. He says, I'll judge you. He says, you'll lose your value. That's what he tells this city. You'll lose everything. 
You'll be found guilty, empty, and vain. Boy, that's not a 2018 message, is it? It says, each one's work will become clear in 2 Corinthians, for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Oh, you might be going through a fire this morning, but you're saved. You might be going through a mess this morning, but you're saved. Amen. You might have suffered loss this past week, but you're saved. <laughs> you might have lost everything, but you hadn't lost eternity. You got a crown waiting on you, friend. You got a mansion waiting on you. Amen. You got a Lord that loves you, that believes in you, that's in the business of giving new starts and new names. It will change you from the inside out if you will let him. God loves you. It says, for those who have not defiled themselves. There's a remnant that stayed faithful. They did not use the church to cleanse their conscience once a week. As a social club for income to build their public image or their ministry. These believers remained pure and passionate. I'm challenging this morning, Abbas House. Remain pure and passionate because you are fruit that remains. We're going to strengthen what remains. What does that mean? Walk with Christ in white. That's what it says here. That represents purity. Listen, we all need to up our game in that area. It's a lot easier to show grace to someone and restore them when you're operating from a place of purity. The greatest acts of restoration I've ever seen were from people who lived pretty doggone clean and decided to show grace anyways. And that's where we need to get to. We've got to walk with Christ in white. We've got to walk with Him every day. We've got to walk in the victory that is ours. In the book of Genesis, we lost our dominion, but God took it back on Calvary. So you have an authority you can walk in. Stop walking around like you're terrible. Stop walking around under condemnation. And guilt and shame like nobody loves you. Let me tell you, walk as an overcomer. Walk with the anointing of God on your life. Walk with power from on high. Believe God. Allow the Spirit to speak through you again. Amen? Allow the Spirit to speak again. Start serving again, man. Don't let the devil disqualify you. If I'd have waited till I was perfect, I'd still be waiting. That's the truth. I know some of y'all are perfect, but, you know, I'm getting there. You'll never do anything from God waiting until you're perfect. You just need Him to be perfect in you and through you. When you die, He'll be lifted up. Some of you just need to die this morning. You will be acknowledged by God. So not only should you do something, I close right here. Yes, do something. But you can do something because you've made a decision to be something. And these are the three things I challenge you to be. We can leave it up there if y'all can. Number one, be faithful. What does that mean? That does not mean what the church culture of today says, that coming to church once every six weeks is faithful. That is not faithful. Faithful means remain pure and passionate 
and on the team. Supportive, serving God, using your gift. I don't have your gift. You may not have my gift, but together we can get this work done. We've got to be faithful. Next, be available. Be available. Listen, we've got to know who you are, where you are. And people all the time, you know so-and-so, they go to your church. No, but I want to. Give me their number. Man, I'm out there every week. I, gotta, I want to know who you are. Because I'm sure you have a gift that we need. I'm sure you're a missing puzzle piece to this equation. And you're waiting on me to ask you. And I, I'm trying to find you and get to know you. We've got to know who you are. Because your destiny's in this place, man. Not only do you need to be available, you need to be accountable. Listen, my father always said to me, like only he can say it, you find out if you're someone's pastor the moment you correct them. Amen. He said, son, you find out who, if you're their pastor the moment you bring correction to them. If you know everything, let somebody else be your pastor. Let somebody else milk you. Because I don't want to milk you, I want to pastor you. And I found out real quick, if you're accountable, that means I can say, hey, you know, we'd love for you to serve here. Or, hey, we could use you here. Hey, maybe you handled that situation wrong. Maybe we should have handled it with a little bit more love. A Jezebel will rise up, but a sheep will submit. Because I know I'm not better than you. I'm just called to pastor you. I've got to lead you. But you've got to be accountable. The Bible says God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing. So God knows what's going on. He's just waiting for you to cry out to him. And I'm telling you, I'm challenging you to remain pure and passionate. Do something. Be something. You are somebody because God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. Don't ever let anyone push you back. I believe that this church is alive. This church is alive. Everybody say alive. Everybody say it again. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? How, Holy Spirit, I ask you to strengthen that which remains today. Renew passion, power, and purity in this place today. Holy Spirit, you're already here. Thank you for being here before I got here. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to fall on people. Power. Fall on them. Lord, give them something more than religion. Give them something more than the same old, same old. Lord, touch them with fire like you touched me many years ago. Touch them with something real, not something religious or fake or phony. Touch them right now where they sit. Give them a powerful touch. Give them a touch of Pentecost on their life. Something that would stir up the gifts inside of them. Father God, I'm talking to people you're going to use in a powerful way in the future here. You've already planned it. The roadmap's already been written. The concordances are already marked. May today be the day where they shift out of their comfort zone and into a place of being where they'll be and do. Father God, do what only you can do in this atmosphere right now. 
Lord, I anoint the pastors of this place as they come down with a mighty touch of the Holy Ghost that they wouldn't pray like they always pray this morning. Lord, they wouldn't just go through the motions these next 10 or 15 minutes. Father God, that your power and your anointing of fire would be on them like never before. For those of you who don't know Jesus Christ in this place, I declare that your name will not be blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. You say, Pastor Ronnie, I want to make sure my name's in that book. Once you pray this prayer with me based on the love of God, just say, Lord Jesus. Let's pray it together, church. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Use me for your glory. Lord, may the fire fall on this place. Would you stand on your feet today? This is not a spectator sport. I pray that you'll you'll pray, that you'll receive, that you'll come for healing, that you'll connect with our church, that you'll join this church that's not dead but alive, that you'll come if you were saved, that you'll come for ministry. And some of you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need the power to fall on you. I pray that you'll be shaken to come and receive the mikshah, the anointing of God today. Father, do your thing. Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for Pastor Ronnie's message. Connect with us at abbashouse.com or ronniephillips.org. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. If it has, please subscribe to our podcast. You can invest in helping others live free and fully alive by giving at abbashouse.com slash give. Thanks for listening.